Robert Homans, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kennedy, the voice of Lionel on the original Thundercats series, and you're listening to Reliving My Youth. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Larry Kinney. You probably know Larry best from portraying Lionel on Thundercats. Another Rankin Bass cartoon he did was Silverhawks. He did The Boys of Bluegrass. He did Karate Cat, Tiger Sharks. And he's probably the reason why you've had cavities filled in the past, voicing characters such as Count Chocula, Sonny the Cuckoo Bird. And he's done ton of Skittles commercials. But I know Larry probably, besides Lionel, best from the I Miss in the Morning show where he worked over 30 years doing impersonations of Ross Perot, General Patton, Richard Nixon, of course, Elvis. He talks about working with I Miss and he fills us in a little bit of Thundercats news. Here's my conversation. And helping me relive my youth today is Larry Kenny. Larry, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm great, Noel. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. This is a real treat. Um, so let's let's Thank start. Thank you for having me. Of course. Let's just start you know, way, way back. Um, how did you first get started um, in your career, you know, doing voiceovers and just acting? Yeah. Well, I actually started my career, the very beginning was as a, a disc jockey, a radio disc jockey back in uh, my hometown in Peoria, Illinois. I'm actually from a town across the river called Pekin, Illinois. And um, I was 15 years old and auditioned for a, for a one-hour show there on the weekend, and I got it. And then that, that led to me doing weekends and then summer replacement, and eventually they gave me my own show. So uh, that's how I got started. Then I, I moved on after a few years. I moved to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, to WOO. And then, let's see, Cleveland, Chicago, and then New York, where I've been for uh, ah, 45 years, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm the the business as well, so I know the hours that you know you work on every holiday. Pretty much anytime, you, <laughs> anytime you can get a shift, you you, you take it. Uh, I'd imagine you did every kind of shift in your career. <laughs> yeah, well, not really. I, I did when I first started out. Like I said, I was doing just a one hour thing on the weekend. I was still in high school. Okay. And then, um, but once I got established, when I went to Fort Wayne, I was doing evenings. And then from then on, it was all, well, afternoons in Cleveland, afternoon drive in Cleveland. And then uh, from then on, it was a morning drive in Chicago and morning drive in New York until I uh, stopped working at the disc jockey thing and, and joined the Diamond the Morning Show. Right. Now, speaking of Diamond, so we, we can start there. I was a big fan of the show. In, in high school, I would always... Uh, Put in a cassette tape, hit you know, hit record, and just you know, get, get, and, and get ready for you know for school. And then by the time yeah. that half of the cassette was over, I turned it over and do the rest. So I you know I amassed quite a collection. 
Wonder, wonderful voices, yeah, wonderful voices you guys did. Um, it seems like everyone was either an Imus fan or a Stern fan. You really weren't both. You had to, you know, pick sides. And exactly. I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was, I was uh, an Imus guy. You had some of, you know, the greatest voices on there. You Elvis and uh, Walter Cronkite, Harold Cosell. You know, I think every oh, Kennedy. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you like first come up with the voices? Was that something when you were doing uh, DJ work? Yeah, I actually always did voices. I uh, my mom tells me that from the time I could talk, I was mimicking uh, the cartoon characters on TV. And uh, uh, then as I got a little older, I was uh, you know I would I would mimic I would do impressions of celebrities and, and uh, do cartoon voices and stuff like that. When I started in radio when I was 15, I just incorporated that into my disc jockey show. You know, in between records, I'd do, you know, I'd have a guest in the studio, you know, somebody famous, and it would be me, of course. Right. Uh, so that's how I got started. And then, of course, that also that eventually led, when I got to um, Chicago and New York, it led to commercials, doing voices on commercials. And that was like almost a whole new career, you know, and I'm still doing that. Right. Now, like, I imagine, like, half of the, the voices you did for, like, Imus and stuff were, like, were pre-recorded, but I imagine some of it was live as well. And, like, how difficult was yeah. that to do those voices yeah. live as opposed to doing them, like, in well, a video it, booth? It, yeah, it, it, um, in the first several years I worked for him, I was with him 35 years. And the first um, many years, uh, from 73 up until about uh, 89 or so, uh, my stuff was all on tape. Okay. Uh, I would go in. I would go to, into NBC. He was at NBC, WNBC when uh, I joined him. Uh, and he was on the air, of course, from five thirty till ten in the morning. And for those first several years, I would come in at noon after the show was over and record my bit for the next day. So I only had to be there for like half an hour. And then once we got on television, once it was syndicated across the country, then uh, then uh, I was there live every day. So some of it was recorded, but once I started coming in, it was it was pretty much all live. And, you know, unless we had to do something where there were sound effects and stuff like that, but we did do that too long. The show was syndicated. Did you like prefer it to be syndicated this way? You know, the nation can see the man behind the voice. Uh, well, it was great to be syndicated. You know, we were on over 150 stations around the country, so um, it's, it's a lot of uh, you know that's a lot of coverage. I mean, you're reaching a lot more people that way. And, Another thing it allowed us to do was to start traveling around the country and doing a show from different cities, um, which was a lot of fun. You know, I got to see a lot of, visit a lot of places, and and uh, enjoyed traveling anyway. Um, so it was, you know, it was a lot of fun, both well, live and recorded. Right now, what 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 kind of person is Imus? Well, he's exactly what you heard. Okay. I think he's a past tense now because he's retired completely. Right. Um, he was exactly what you saw on TV or heard on the radio. He was a, he was a curmudgeon. He was, you know, very, you know, grouchy. And, um, <laughs> but he also was a very generous guy. He, he was, you know, he, he did a lot of things for people, including me. And uh, uh, we, we, were, we were good friends. And uh, he, I didn't like the way he treated some people, but, man, that was none of my business, you know. Right. He, he, You've seen him on TV. And of course, you know, yeah. he, was, he would yell at you at the, the drop of a hat. He never did it to me, though. One time, uh, we were there was somebody from uh, 60 Minutes 
came to the station for uh, every day for a week, five days, because they were going to do a, uh, an episode on, on, on Imus. So the guy was there, I forget which one it was, but he was there every day talking to Imus and eventually talked to all of us, you know. And he, he at one point he asked Imus, uh, he said, you know, I, know, I noticed you never get mad at Larry Kenny and yell at him and kick him out of the studio and things <laughs> like that. Why is that? <laughs> just because he'll kick my ass. <laughs> and there was, a, there was, he had reason to to, uh, to believe that because the very first night I ever met him, uh, he was, well, he was in a confrontation with his wife. Okay. And uh, I didn't like that very much, and and I pulled him, pulled him off, and threw him up against the elevator wall, and uh, told him to knock it off. And as soon as I did it, it occurred to me, you know, what the hell have I done? (laughs) (laughs) He stormed out, but um, an hour later he called me at home and apologized to me. Wow. He said, you were right, and I'm sorry that that happened and all that stuff. So I took a big, deep breath, a sigh of relief, and we were good. Oh, that's great, yeah. (laughs) That's great. Now, were were you working the uh, the day of the whole Rutgers thing? No, I was not. As a matter of fact, I was in California visiting my daughter in Malibu, and uh, <clears throat> so I didn't hear it because you know out there it's like three in the morning. Right. But uh, no, I was not there. Thank God, I didn't I didn't have to get involved in all of that that sort of thing. Yeah, that that, that was that that was rough. I was working at uh, ESPN at the time, and you can imagine how how big a story that was on there as as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When, when did uh, like your your time at the show end? When did it, when did I leave? Yeah, uh, two thousand eight, ten years ago. God, okay. I can't believe it's been that long, but it has. Yeah. Did you did you still listen? Did or did you still listen to it when it was on? Oh sure, yeah, sure. Whenever time I was ever in the car in the morning, I'd head to the train station. Uh, yeah. And I'd listen like everybody else. Right. Yeah. Now, of all the voices you did for the show, like what what was like your favorite one to do? Um, well, good question. I always liked doing Nixon. That was the very first, first um, <clears throat> voice I ever did for him back in 1973. Right. And um, it's it, um, really kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, it, it caught on really big with the press. You know, they're, they're putting it in the paper all the time because Nixon was president. At the time, right, right. You know? <laughs> so uh, that was the first, and it was a lot of fun to do because I could get, I could go right back at it. You know, he would say something and I'd say, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, sow belly bastard! I, you know, <laughs> uh, it's like I could really, I could really go back at him. That was fun. Elvis was fun to do. I um, always liked Ted Kennedy as well. Yeah. As I've often said, we'll uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would, there's yeah. so many. There were so many. Uh, uh, George Patton was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that was doing George that one, Patton. Yeah. Yeah. And, we did. Uh, we did so many. Right, yeah, and like I was, um, I was in high school or just finishing high school the first time Ross Perot ran for president. So that that was a pr- pretty big one, on, yeah. on, on my cassette tapes, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Now let's, let's go over to um, something that even before I listened to Imus, I, I knew you from uh, Thundercats. It's, it's, the, the show still holds up. It's still one of the best cartoons I think ever made. Um, can you just talk about like how you how you got that role and the whole audition process for it. 
Yeah, well, I, I got that role just like I, you know, I get anything else uh, in, in this business. You audition for everything, you know. So one day my agent called. This is back in 1983, I think. Yeah. And uh, he said, he said, hey, um, they're auditioning people for this new animated series called Thundercats, and they'd like to see you, uh, let's say, Tuesday at two o'clock, you know. So I went there at the appointed time and the appointed place, and uh, um, there were about 50 other guys waiting around, you know, Glenn Reed and with them. And um, all over the walls, they had they had photos of the characters and, and the Thunder Tank and all that sort of thing, Catch Layer. Mm-hmm. And then they gave us a sheet with an explanation of the character, you know, and, and a synopsis of the general overview of the show itself. They asked uh, <clears throat> asked us to pick two voices to audition for, one Thundercat and one Mutant. Those are the bad guys, right. as you recall. Yep. So I decided to audition for uh, Lionel because he was, after all, Lord of the Thundercats. Mm-hmm. I figured he might as well go for the, be the big guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I auditioned for uh, Jackalman, one of the mutants. And uh, a couple of days later, I got the phone call from my agent saying, you, you, got, you got the job. And that's, then we started recording about a month after that. And the rest, as they say, is history. Right. Now, when you first started like recording you know, your voice for the episodes, did you think the show would be a hit? You know, that's a good question. Uh, you really, in this business, you really you can't ever tell. I'm, you know, we, we knew very early on that the scripts were great. Um, we knew the writing was great. I mean, we were we were working with the best actors in, in you know in the business and, and and all that, but but it was a job, you know. So we just started recording things, and then when they finally, you know, it takes a while to after we had after we had done the voices for the first uh, four or five episodes, then they start animating. You always do the voices first, and then once the first time we ever got the a look at the animation, because up until this point, you know, all this we had no idea what it was going to look like on television. So once they had animated the first show, they called us together and played it for us, and uh, we could tell that this is this is going to be a great show. However, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be successful. You know, it's a crazy business, as you know. Uh, you can have some really good talent, some really good material, and for various reasons that they may not catch on. You know, we never any of us had any idea it was going to be this big. But, I mean, if you had told me back then, about 30 years from now, 35 years from now, we're going to still be talking about it. I thought you were crazy. <laughs> right, and the um, the show, like, the whole cast recorded in one room. I don't think that's something they really do anymore, correct? No, that's that's exactly right, and it's, it's sad because I really enjoy being in the studio with other actors. I think most actors do. It's just, it's not only is it more fun, it's just... I think you give a better performance right. when you, you, you have other actors that bounce off of, you know, and, and uh, um, it just seems better to me. For some reason, these days, you work mostly alone, uh, whether it's a commercial or animated series. Uh, you, you know, you're in a booth by yourself doing all of your lines, and then you leave and somebody else goes and does all of their lines. It's, uh, it's just not as fun as it used to be. Yeah. So that was that how it pretty much was when you came back in 2011 for the the remake to play Cla- Claudius. Well, a funny thing. Uh, 
Warner Brothers flew me out to um, Warner Brothers Ranch in Burbank, and I walked in, and there's this huge studio, and there were five or six microphones arranged in the semi as we always had back when we were recording the original show. So I was waiting for the other actors to get there, and I was just kind of, you know, chatting it up with the engineer and the director. At one point, the director said, you know, we really should get started. And I said, well, aren't you going to wait for the other actors? And she said, no, uh, you're, you're it today. Oh. <laughs> the, other, the others have a day off. We're just going to do your, your, your three episodes. So I said, well, okay, here we go again, you know. I really thought I was going to get to uh, meet and work with the other actors out there, but uh, wasn't the case. I met a few of them later at Comic-Cons. Now, when you um, recorded your stuff for that show, you know, the, the, the remake that is, did you have to be persuaded to work on that, or just, or was it like something you immediately wanted to get back involved with? No, my, well, my agent called and said uh, Warner Brothers is going to reboot uh, Thundercats, and they'd like you to be involved. And I said, well, okay, have them send me a script, because the original company was Rankin Bass. Right, you know? right. And I uh, loved working with them. We did not only Thundercats, but we did uh, Silverhawks, Silver Tiger Hulk. Sharks, yeah. um, comic strip, a whole bunch of stuff. <clears throat> so I said, yeah, I haven't sent me a script because I, I've always felt a, a very, I've always felt very uh, protective of the, the legacy of Thundercats. And the reason for it is not just because I was involved with it, but over the years I've gotten so many letters and people have told me uh, that the show meant a lot to them that other shows didn't. And they told me, some of them told me in, in various detail about their childhoods, which maybe weren't so good, you know, but when they got home after school and could lock themselves in their room and watch Thundercats, they said for at least a half hour, they didn't have to worry about their problems. So I know the show means a lot to a lot of people, not just, it's not just a, a cartoon show, you know. So I've always been very protective. So anytime anybody asks me to do anything as client, I look at the script first. So they said it to me. And I said, yeah, this is, they have, um, they captured the spirit. And the people who did that, um, all the people involved in the reboot, big, big Thundercats fans, the original show. Right. And um, so they, they, you know, they did a wonderful job of keeping the, the spirit of the show, you know, truth, honor, justice, <laughs> loyalty. Uh, so I didn't really have to be persuaded at all once I saw the script. Right. Were there any of the other original actors that participated in it? No. No, no. They just had me. And I think it's the reason they, they used me was as an homage to the, the original cast and the original series. Um, and let's face it, other people ask me, why didn't they use you guys? You know, well, because we were all on most of us. And, um, but the thing is, as I said to them, why make another show that looks and sounds just like the original? What's the point? Right. You know, it's got to be a new, a new show for a new, a new generation, a new audience. And it was, and I thought they did a fantastic job with it. I understand that. Uh, my understanding from talking with some of the people at Warner Brothers was that it uh, the show did very well um, on Comedy Central, uh, on the Cartoon Network. The ratings were very good, but the car, but the voice tables were not good. And these days. Unfortunately, that's one of the biggest drivers of whether a show lasts or not is if they're selling on its own. Right, yeah. 
That's for sure. And I, I was one of the ones who bought, you know, the original toys because they, they, they were wonderful. And, and that was like before everything was flooded. Because now there's so much toys with everything. And just yeah. there's, there's so many oh, choices. Yeah. Before they were kind of limited to like, I think Star Wars was kind of ending its run. So it was like G.I. Joe, yeah. Transformers, and Thundercats toys. I think those were like, and maybe He-Man. But those were like really the only four big ones. And yeah, and, and and quite frankly, Thundercats toys were were, pro, pro, were pretty good, you know, well made as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, um, I think next year they're coming out with another Thundercats show, which you mentioned it's completely different from the original called I think Thundercats Roar. And I know people yeah. were kind of like up in arms because the animation looked different, and it seems like to be like a little bit of a comedy. I think maybe like in the the mold of like Teen Titans Go. Um, did, have they approached you to yeah. work on that one? Okay. Uh, uh, but I'm not allowed to say what role I'm playing. Right, okay. Uh, it's a very small, I'm only in a couple of episodes. And uh, so I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm under, according to the contract, I can't tell you. Oh. Until we come to the air, of course. Right, of course. What, what, what character I'm playing. And it is, it, I don't know if you've seen it or not, the clip that was on the internet of the new one. It is a lot different. It's, it's yeah. very much in the fashion of Teen Titans Go and other current Right. Animated shows. As a matter of fact, um, uh, Friday, last Friday, no, Monday, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, don't get old. It's a bitch. I tell you. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, uh, I did a, an episode of Teen Titans Go oh, okay. as Lionel. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> as, as the original Lionel. And uh, it's, it's Lionel saying basically... Um, Let's give this new show a chance, you know. Right. That's a new generation, and, and we'll always have the old Thundercats, those of us who remember it, but the, the new kids today, they like this new stuff, you know, so let's give them that. Yeah, it's true. You really can cater to, you know, the 40-year-olds anymore. You know, there, there are kids coming up who, yeah. you know, want... Mm-hmm. Like like Teen Titans Go, my son watches that. We're going to go see the movie soon. It's, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's completely different than the original... Teen Titans, so I mean, there's a market for everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now you also recorded um, an episode of Family Guy as Lion O, um, a little bit different than the original uh, Thundercats show. Did you have to be persuaded to work on Family Guy? I did. I really yeah. did because I had seen the show. Right. And I loved it. I loved Family Guy. Still do. I think Seth MacFarlane is a genius. And but. Uh, again, my agent called uh, a few years ago and said, um, Seth MacFarlane would like you to do a lion on, on Family Guy. And I said, oh, I, I told him, I said, you know, I love that show, but it, it's, you know, I don't know if I want to do lion on that show, but it, it's going to be raunchy. It's going to be a little blue, you know, it's going to be, and, you know, like I explained to you, I, I, I am very protective of the legacy of the original Thundercat. I said, send me a script. And I got the script and I said, Definitely not. Because <laughs> I don't know if you remember the, the episode, but uh, it was, you know, a little, a little racy. And I was going to not do it, but my son Tanner, who was probably a teenager then, he said, um, "Dad, you got to do it." He said, "You know, that show is the biggest show on television. Big stars are asking to be on Family Guy." Right. Some of the voices of it. And I said, I showed him the script and everything. He said, 
I said, I, I'm just so afraid. He said, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that the, the fans of the original show are going to be um, are going to be upset because it's because they think it's dirty or something like that? He said, Dad, those kids are not 10 years old anymore. Yeah, they're watching Family Guy. <laughs> they're 30 and they're watching Family Guy. And they're going to love it. Right. So I said, well, okay, but uh, if I do this and then it's... It, you know, it's all over the internet. How much people hate it and everything. I said, "You're not my son anymore." <laughs> and, but unfortunately for him, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Did they have? Yeah. Was there any interest, like on both sides, to do The Simpsons ever? To do what? To do The Simpsons. Oh, The Simpsons. I I, I never heard anything from The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Because I, I thought all the different voices, you know, that you did. Perhaps, you know, on the IMIS, maybe, you know, they would oh, want one of you. You mean uh, to, to, to work for the show? Yeah. No, I never did. I, many years ago, when the, the original cast, well, the cast is still there, when they um, were threatening to go on strike, I don't know if you called it. Right, that, yeah. They wanted more money. Well, immediately, the production company uh, held auditions so they could show the... So they could show the uh, current, the current, you know, the, the, the Cast, current right. actors. Yeah. Uh, that they could re- easily replace them if they had to. But I didn't even audition for it. I got there and thought, well, what's going on? And I said, I'm not going to audition for this. Because those actors that are on the show now are my, I'm in the same union they're in. Right. You yeah. know, we're all, we're all union mates. And I am not going to give their company, their producers, any any ammunition against them in the negotiations. You know, I said if they if they end up firing some of those people and then, then they want me to audition for those roles, then I'll do it. But I won't do it well until those until negotiations are over. Well, I also knew that they were gonna they were gonna buckle buckle down and pay whatever they you know, they're gonna negotiate something. Right, of course. It, it, it was not going to end badly, you know what I mean? So, um I, I just didn't even audition for it. Right. Yeah. Now with the original um, Thundercats, um, it's all over YouTube. It's, it's really funny. The out, original outtakes that you, you guys had. Yeah, it's like it's pretty racy. It's pre- it's pretty funny. Um, when were you first aware that they actually made it online? I don't remember the exact date or anything right. like that, but I remember my son and daughter coming home and saying, "Kind uh, uh, <laughs> of you heard the Thundercats." outtakes on the internet and I said what are you talking about <laughs> and they played them for me and I thought oh no oh god <laughs> you know uh, you know I, I felt horrible because again I've got this protective you know right right people think but uh, people love them you know they think it's funny as hell so it's great it's fine yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's yeah, looking back now it's it's funny but I can imagine like well, you see, back when we were recording the show back in the 80s, there was no internet. You right. Know, there was no, and, and whether it was an animated show or a commercial or anything like that, when you were recording it, you're always going to have, you've got several actors in a room, people are going to break up at certain points, and you're going to have outtakes, you know? It, I mean, it's just a natural occurrence. But back then, nobody ever heard them except the people in the room. And the engineers who right. sometimes would, would uh, take a copy home with them and play them at their Christmas parties. <laughs> but back then, nobody ever heard it. So when I heard that it's all over the internet, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to 
leave the country for a month until yeah. <laughs> it dies down. <laughs> Right, and it also helped that all you guys were in the same room recording, so you kind of played off each other in terms of us. Sure. See, that's another thing you don't get anymore with a new way of recording is you don't get outtakes. Right. <laughs> there's nobody, there's nobody ragging on each other in the studio. So now let's switch over to commercials and a big yeah. yeah I should probably send you a bill to my dentist for doing Skittle commercials and all of the <laughs> all, all, all the cereals you did. You know, Cocoa Buffs, Count Chocolate. Sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I'm surprised you never did, like, Cocoa Pebbles. You could have cornered the chocolate cereal market altogether. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've been I've been doing uh, Count Chocula and Sonny the Cocoa Puffs Bird for almost 40 years. And uh, at one point, the guy who was doing um, Lucky the Leprechaun, Arthur Brown, I think his name was, he was retiring. And they held auditions, and, I, and apparently I won because I went into a recording session for Cocoa Puffs one day. And the director said, Larry, I don't know if you heard, but you, they picked you to, to be the new Lucky. I said, great. And he said, no, 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 wait, calm down. He said, I, he said, I nixed it. I said, what? He said, well, I, he said, I'm thinking, he, he was the guy who ran the department. Okay. And he, he said, I told everybody, Larry's already doing Count Chocula and Sonny. If we get him lucky and something happens to him, we're out three mascots. Right. And to this day, I don't understand that logic, but <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's worked out for you pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, but I want all the money. You know? Of course. Yeah. You're selfish here. <laughs> yeah. And last question. Um, your daughter, who is really, really talented, Carrie, um, some of the best shows, you know, comedy shows, uh, Reno 911. I mean, she was in the state. Yeah. Um, how did, did, how did she get into the business? Did, did she, she talk to you first? Uh, was that something that uh, you persuaded her one way or the other? When she was about 10 years old, she, I used to take her with me to a lot of recording sessions. All of my kids had taken, you know, into a recording session or an audition with me whenever they were out of school. And Carrie, she's my oldest, so she was the first one that I did that with. And at one point, she's at probably 10 or 11, she, she said, I want to be in show business. I want to do commercials. I want to do movies and things like that. And I worked with a lot of kids, and, you know, in the serial commercials and the cartoon shows and stuff. And I've seen it's not been, a good, it's not been good for a lot of them to be child actors. Right. Some, of them, some of them come out the other end very well but there are a lot of those kids you might know that um, yeah. had problems in their life and I said to her I said I don't I said I tell you what let me call Don Buckwald my agent because we're family friends too and he, right. she knows him he knows her I said let me call Don and have you talk to him and you ask him what he thinks you should do and I, I promise you I'm not going to tell him what to say and I didn't but uh, she came out of the meeting with him and said, I think I'm going to wait until I get to college. I said, that's a good idea. That's hmm. a very good idea. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That worked out well. And the other two, um, my son Tanner, my youngest, he, uh, he, he tried voice acting for about a year. And um, he did a couple of small things, I think. But then he decided he wanted to save the planet. So hmm. he's now going for his Ph.D. and... Um, sustainable energy and uh, conservation stuff like that oh wow yeah 
Yeah, that's awesome. But Larry, thank you for a few minutes tonight. I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck. Thank you, Noel. It's been nice talking to you. And a special thanks to Larry for joining us today. Go check out his Facebook page. Just search Larry Kenny. If you want to like the page of Living My Youth on Facebook, I'd appreciate it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first Noel 19 Go to iTunes. You can check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Just check out SoundCloud and Podbean. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. Can't do without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of the Living My Youth real soon.